Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 67 of Books by Old Dead Guys. I'm Scott. And I'm David. And we certainly hope that you had a Merry Christmas. We had a Merry Christmas after a couple of weeks off that were preceded by Christmas songs by Old Dead Guys. Yeah. We are now kicking back in to Thomas Brooks' Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And if you're kind of new to the to the podcast, David and I have said a couple of times that this is by far our favorite book that we've studied together so mm-hmm. far. Just an incredibly practical, useful resource in thinking about how the enemy uh, deceives us and the tools that he uses to do so. So, David, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So what, what Brooks does over the course of his book is he really kind of highlights different devices that the evil one uses to try to tempt uh, Christians away from the Lord. And so uh, most recently, we've been looking at devices to draw the soul to sin. So what are what are the things that the devil does to uh, try to make sin look better or, or make uh, our lives look like we need uh, sin in them? Yep. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at another one of those devices today, another way that the evil one works to try uh, to tempt the the Christian to uh, sin. Uh, so, Scott, why don't you take us away? Yep, we're on device 10. The basic format of the whole book is it goes device and then remedies. Almost always there's more than one uh, device remedies. We're on page 86 if you are in the Banner of Truth version of this book. And I'll start with device 10. Brooks writes, By working them to be frequent in comparing themselves and their ways with those that are reputed or reported to be worse than themselves. By this device, the devil drew the proud Pharisee to bless himself in a cursed condition. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Why, saith Satan, you swear but pretty oaths, as by your faith and troth, but such and such swear by wounds and blood. You are now and then a little wanton, but... Such and such do daily defile and pollute themselves by actual uncleanliness and filthiness. You deceive and overreach your neighbors in things that are but toys and trifles, but such and such deceive and overreach in others in, others in things of greatest concernment, even to their ruin and undoings. You do but sit, chat, and sip with the drunkard, but such and such sit and drink and are drunk with the drunkard. You are only a little proud in heart and habit, in looks and words. Mm. Boy, this so is a the, dangerous one right so here. So the man. device of Satan that he uses is us uh, Christians comparing themselves and their ways to others mm. who are worse than themselves. Man. And the comparison game. The comparison game is strong today. It, it, well, you know, in our, in our culture, kind of where we are in the Bible Belt South, it is not uncommon to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone, calling them to repentance, and the first thing you hear is, "Well, I've never, I've never killed anybody. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not that bad." And in, and in order to in, in order to make that sentence, like you immediately have got to have in your mind another person, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, a, you're not as bad as who? At like, least at least one other person. Yeah, who are you thinking of here, right? And so what he's saying is this is this is setting you up for ruin. This is the enemy's device. Because what happens is we compare ourselves and we then we get to keep our 
our little sins yes. are, as Jerry Bridges says, our respectable sins, yes. right? Because these respectable sins, they couldn't nearly be as bad as those gross, wanton sins over there. Yes, yes. So, yeah. So let's see what the remedies are. Here we go. Remedy one. The first remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider this, that there is not a greater or clearer argument to prove a man a hypocrite than to be quick-sighted abroad and blind at home, Mm. than to see a mote in another man's eye and not a beam in his own eye, than to use spectacles to behold other men's sins rather than looking glasses to behold his own, rather to be always holding his finger upon other men's sores and to be amplifying and aggravating other men's sins than mitigating of his own. Mm. Mm. I love uh, it. Brooks really shows his ways with words here because I love a couple of these phrases that he is quick sighted abroad and blind at home. Man, the idea that you could you could not just be far sighted, but you could see something that was miles away, but be entirely blind to what was in front of your face. Yep. You know the idea that you the idea that you could see something happening in someone else's house. Yeah. But be completely and uh, like just run up against the walls in your own house because it's this, you can't see where they are. It's a nonsensical picture of like walking around with spirit two spiritual telescopes attached to your eyes, <laughs> yes, right? Like yes. I I can't you know I can see way out there, but I'm about to trip over something yes. that's literally right in front right of my face. Right in front of my face. So good, yes. man. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yes. and how how easy is that to do? Golly, I mean, yes. it's easy for any human being. Is going to be prone to do this. Yes, and 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 the enemy knows it, and so he uses it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about the the you know because it comes back to almost a form of blame shifting, right? Which is as old as the garden itself. Mm-hmm. So, and to be constantly with his finger upon other men's sores, oh. you know, constantly amplifying, aggravating the yep. sins of others yep. rather than mitigating his own. That yep. we're constantly pointing and poking at the sins of other people yep. instead of trying to keep our own sins at bay. Yeah, a hypocrite's not someone who willingly and readily confesses their own sinfulness. No. A hypocrite is one who rejects the idea that they are sinful and then is quick to point out the sins of others. Yes. I think we get it's easy to get that definition of hypocrite backwards. Right, because the world around us tries to different to define hypocrite entirely differently than that. Yeah, it's like we and we wholesale buy into this. Like I'm sure you've heard it too, where people will say, "Well, the church is just full of hypocrites." I hold on a second. Well, wait, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, here. what do you mean by that statement? Yeah, exactly. Define what do you mean? What you mean by that? Statement. Yeah, because if you just give the word away, right? We've just given the word to the culture. Christians are hypocrites. Now the gospel is is totally disregarded. Mm-hmm. Right? Christianity is totally disregarded. Yeah. Because why? should I listen to a hypocrite? But we got to be quick to, to, to define the terms, right? You, the dictionary is important. We got to use God's dictionary for terms. And when the Lord speaks of a hypocrite, this is what he's talking about. Yeah. He's talking about someone like a Pharisee who would, who, who would, you know, project external obedience. It are either, depending on when we get to drop this podcast, we're either getting ready to study this in Romans or we just studied it in Romans. So it's all right here in the front of my mind, right? But the Pharisees were known for their external obedience. And what Jesus does when, when dealing with the Pharisees, is he always drives them to the heart. 
When Paul in Romans 7 wants to talk about how the law is at work, he doesn't use adultery, he doesn't use murder, he doesn't use, he doesn't even use idolatry. He uses covetousness because covetousness is a matter of the heart and desire. That's the key. What do you desire, right? And so, so the moment we start looking just at external actions and saying, well, their sins are so much worse than mine, we mm-hmm. just neglect the fact that our own hearts you know, can be dripping with deadly poison. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Okay, we got to keep going. That was only one paragraph. You can tell we haven't (laughs) done this in a while. All right, remedy two. The second remedy against this device of Satan is to spend more time in comparing of your internal and external actions with the rule, with the word, by which you must be judged at last, than in comparing of yourselves with those that are worse than yourselves. Mm. That man, that comparing himself with others that are worse than himself, may seem to himself and others to be an angel. Yet, comparing himself with the word, he may see himself to be like the devil, yea, a very devil. Have I not chosen twelve, and one of you is a devil? Such men are like him, as if they were spit out of his mouth. Satan is called the God of this world because as God at first did but speak the word and it was done, so... If the devil doth but hold up his finger, give the least hint, they will do his will, though they undo their souls forever. Ah, what monsters would these men appear to be, did they but compare themselves with the righteous rule and not with the most unrighteous men? They would appear to be as black as hell itself. Mm. Yeah, Mm. so the second remedy is to compare yourself with the scriptures rather than comparing yourself with others. Yeah. To compare yourself against what God has set to be the standard instead of comparing yourself against the uh, ever rising and falling standard of whoever you happen to be around. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Because I, again, this is all leaning into uh, the text that we're going to be walking through this week. So if you, if you hear this on Sunday and you've heard it already. You got to act like you heard it the first time. There is nothing less righteous than self righteousness. Mm. There's nothing less righteous than self righteousness because self righteousness is essentially saying, "I don't need the gospel. I don't need a savior. I'm good. I'm good. I'm my own savior." Mm. Right. So, so you're gonna talk about a pet peeve? Church, listen carefully. Pastoral pet peeve, right here. If I ask you, "How can I pray for you?" Please do not respond with, "I'm good." You may be. It, it, you, you can say I don't know. It, it, you, you can say I don't. Hundred percent. It probably implies things you don't mean, right? <laughs> yes. hey, you probably don't mean it the way I'm taking it. You probably mean things are very good for me right now, and I am incredibly that's blessed. Probably what you mean, and I'm sure there are challenges. And if you will give me some time, I'll get back to you. Man, that's a great response. Yes, I'll say praise the Lord. Yes, but don't tell me you're good. Don't tell, and I won't tell you I'm good. So anyway, self-righteousness. All right, remedy three. Mm. The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that though thy sins be not as great as those of others, yet without sound repentance on thy side and pardoning mercy on God's, thou wilt be as certainly damned as others, though not equally tormented with others. What though hell shall not be so hot to thee as to others, yet thou must certainly, as as certainly, go to hell as others, unless the glorious grace of God shines forth upon thee in the face of Christ. God will suit men's punishment to their sins. The greatest sins shall be attended with the greatest punishments. The lesser sins 
with the lesser punishments. Alas, what a poor comfort will this be to thee when thou comest to die, to consider that thou shalt not be equally tormented with others, yet must forever be shut out from the glorious presence of God, Christ, angels, and saints, and from those good things of eternal life that are so many that they exceed number, so great that they exceed measure, so precious that they exceed estimation. Sure it is that the tears of heaven are not sufficient to bewail the loss of heaven. The worm of grief gnaws as painful as the fire burns. If those souls wept because they should see Paul's face no more, how deplorable is the eternal deprivation of the beatifical vision. Okay, so let's pause. This may be a new concept for people, so mm-hmm. we got to stop for just yeah. a second. Um, we have, again, talk, it's the way that we've confused the language in the Christian life, right? By intending to help people see the seriousness of sin, which is a very good intention, yes. what we've ended up doing is saying something like, um, all sins are equal. Which is Which is not, not accurate. Accurate. Not I mean, here's true. the here's the thing. There is actually a difference between me being angry and me literally killing. Mm-hmm. There's there's a difference, and there's a difference in God's economy too. Now, both of these sins are deplorable. Yes, but one is more deplorable. Yes, both will land you in hell. Yes, and that is that, that is, is kind of news to people. Yes, right. And so so if you're hearing this for the first time, come talk to us on Sunday. We'll talk to you more about it. But there really will be severer punishment for the Adolf Hitlers of the world, mm-hmm. right? But that should not convince you to not receive the gospel, right? <laughs> nor, nor should it convince you to just not to just wantonly kill people because right. if I'm angry I might as well just go ahead and kill them. Like, right. That is not that is not the reaction. That's that exactly is, that is right. intended here. And so it's funny because we can only we can only apply this principle that everything is the same on a spiritual level. There's no way the world couldn't function <laughs> no. if we tried to apply it on a physical level. And yeah. physical justice is a manifestation of spiritual justice, right? Like it's actual justice that happens in this world happens because God is just and he administers justice through human beings here on earth, right? And so so it's got to be reflective yeah. of the same sort of principles or it's not actually just. Yes. So so if you've ever if you've ever heard that or if you've ever thought it, like I, I get the, or even if you've ever said it, I understand what you're trying to say. There's a better way to communicate that. I think... You know, something along the lines of just one sin is enough to earn you eternal separation from God and hell. Yes. I think that's sufficient. Any one sin. Any one sin. You know, James James says it. One person, if you're guilty of one part of the law, you're you're guilty of it all. Now that doesn't mean that you're gonna be sin you're gonna be judged with the same weight, but it does mean you will be judged. And yes. so that's a really so I felt like before we went any farther with what Brooks is saying here. That's that could be like a nuclear bomb in somebody's brain going off. Wait a second, are there going to be levels of hell? You're telling me? Yes, yes, there are. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's good. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a really good chance you're not like level three. But let's, let's keep going. All right, but this is. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but maybe. this is, but that's not all. He says, "This is not all. Thou shalt not be only shut out of heaven, but shut up in hell forever." Not only shut out from the presence of God and angels, but shut up with devils and damned spirits forever. Not only shut out from these sweet, surpassing, unexpressible, and everlasting pleasures that be at God's right hand, but shut up forever under those torments that are ceaseless, remediless, and endless. Souls, were it 
not 10,000 times better for you to break off your sins by repentance than to go in on your sins till you feel the truth of what now you hear? The God of Israel is very merciful. Ah, that you would repent and return, that your souls might live forever. Remember this, grievous is the torment of the damned for the bitterness of these punishments, but most grievous for the eternity of the punishments. For to be tormented without end, this is that which goes beyond the bounds of all desperation. Ah, how do the thoughts of this make the damned to roar and cry out for unquietness of heart and tear their hair and gnash their teeth and rage for madness that they must dwell in everlasting burnings forever. In other words, you go on comparing yourself if you want to, but you're going to end up comparing yourself in hell, and that's not good. Yes, because hell is eternal. Yeah, there's, that's there's the, yes. That's the point that he tries to drive home here. It's not just... And he starts with, it's not just that you, it's not just that you're missing out on heaven right. for all of eternity. It's right. not just that you are not getting to experience as good of an eternity as you could experience. Yep. That's not the case. Yep. You will be in hell forever. Man, I wish I could remember who said it because I'd give him credit, but it wasn't my idea. To be separated from the presence of the Lord is to be consummated with his wrath for eternity. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Man, that that's unpleasant. <laughs> and I mean, there's just no other way to I mean, it's, it's torment, right? And yes. it's intended to be so. And so the moment we start, and so so understand what he's saying here, right? This device of Satan, he wants to lure you into hell. Yeah. He wants you to spend your whole life thinking that you're pretty good and comparing yourself to other people and thinking, oh man, I got it. Yeah. No, I'm not as bad as those people. Yeah. So that when you die. You're separated from God forever. That's his goal. That's his whole And plan. the quickest way to do that in a religious culture, lowercase r, religious culture, is self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Quickest way you can do it is make you think you're doing pretty good. Man, and which is why you see how it kind of builds on itself. He starts with, look at God's holy and righteous standard. Yes. Right? See who God is. See who you are. And then try self-righteousness and see how it works. You can't see God rightly and you will not see self-rightly if you're self-righteous. So, man, that's good. Mm. Wow. Yeah, very practical one. All right. Well, Scott, you have anything to uh, to add? Oh, man, I think that's, I think that's it. Yeah. That's a, that was a really good thing. I'm good. All right. Well, <laughs> folks, if you, <laughs> if, you, uh, if you listen to this podcast, if you uh, appreciate this podcast, and if you're good, then... Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'd love it if you would uh, would rate us on whatever podcasting app you're listening to. Uh, we'd love it if you'd share it on social media. Do um, you know, in whatever whatever social media you happen to be on, and uh, we'd love it if you just put this in front of folks that uh, you think would benefit from it, folks that you think uh, would enjoy it. Uh, we'd love to see more people uh, be blessed by it. And so, uh, until next time, we'll talk soon. Goodbye. <laughs>